Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined in the studio today by Craig Burley and Stevie Nicol. We'll kick things off in the late game in the Premier League. Arsenal impressed once again, thrashing Newcastle by four goals to one. I'm Don Hutchinson. Uh, joins us to add his two pennies uh, to this game. Craig, I want to start with you. How good were Arsenal again? Yep, strong. Very strong. Uh, th this wasn't a contest. It wasn't a contest. I mean, and that's, that's, that's embarrassing for Newcastle. Really embarrassing. Uh, we could, you know, we could take this City, Arsenal, Liverpool. It's going to be a bun fight, we know that. But uh, one of the things, apart from all the facets of Arsenal's game that continues to impress me is when they have a team down early and struggling, they are one of the best, if not the best, at not allowing them out at their own half. At basically smothering them and then that means it's just coming back and coming back and coming back and the pressure and Arsenal were absolutely brilliant at it. There must have been 20 to 25 minutes before Newcastle even got the ball forward into what we would call an attacking position. And again, you know, we talk about Havertz. I really don't have an issue if they've got problems up front. If he goes in one of those front three positions, right? That's, that's what he's more natural at. Where I do still have a problem is, is where he played him in midweek, uh, in the midfield. And I just don't think that works. And I think when Havertz goes up front, it's not brilliant, but at least he's in a more natural habitat up there. I think the middle of the park's a completely different uh, kettle of fish. And as you know, in midweek against uh, Porto away, I felt he should have had an extra midfielder in there, the same as he did against Liverpool. And he's gone back to that today. Jorginho comes in and it allows... Rice to go and help Odegaard and as I say that means when they lose it they've got these players in the forward positions and as I said it wasn't much of a contest was no. it Stevie? They're like a runaway train at the moment Stevie. Yeah I think that I think that was, that's the key on the defensive side of it that Declan Rice Declan Rice isn't sitting behind the other two right you know when Havertz is, is, is in that middle with Odegaard it's the two of them that are the first defensive unit and, and they're not that's not their game so the fact that Declan Rice is that bit further forward and Jorginho's sitting, that's, that is the real reason, or the main reason, that teams can't get out. And I've never seen a team just hoof the ball to try and get some breathing space as many times as Newcastle did in the first half. They were just sticking their toe on the end of it and trying to get out, trying to get out their own box, never mind out their own half. I mean, it was a complete and utter annihilation. And I've got to tell you that. I was being sarcastic when we were watching this and I was talking about the argument we had about Newcastle regressing. Mm. But I'll tell you what, I was thinking to myself, what was I thinking? Well, I, mean, I, I think I, that's I, what I, most were thinking. I thought this Newcastle side... Bring in the humble pie! I thought this Newcastle side, once they got some players back, would get back on the train yeah. and start going out. And my goodness, and the two centre-backs typifies what Newcastle is right now. Shire and Bortman last season were absolutely fantastic. This year, they've been absolutely rotten. Yeah, Don, they were saying on the commentary that Newcastle have conceded more goals since December than any other side in the Premier League. Incredible. And I think the boys are right. I think when you look at Newcastle's strong point last season, Dan, it was clean sheets. Um, I've been banging the drum for Sven Bortman, you know, for a long time, thinking he's different class than he is. He was awful today. Fabian shared the same. Normally, when you look at that back line, it's a strong back line. But, I mean, the boys were right in terms of how Arsenal smothered them. I mean, Newcastle were just smashing it clear. They were trying to get up to Isak. It wasn't sticking. 
Rice, Erdegaard, I think, or sensational midfield. Jorginho got man of the match on the TV over here, and I think rightly so because he controlled the game. But they were relentless. But Newcastle, you're right, Dan, were all over the place. I think what was so impressive from Arsenal's point of view, Don, was how right from the off, bang, they completely yeah. set their stall out and Newcastle just couldn't recover. Absolutely that, Dan. They, they went at Newcastle. They got the early goal. Um, it was relentless. I mean, Newcastle were trying to get out. They couldn't. But I think it was more... I mean, I know they've hit West Ham for six and they hit Burnley for five, Arsenal. But I think that was their best performance by a mile this season. It was how aggressive they were. They took no prisoners. They were slick in their passing. It wasn't just laboured. It wasn't just keeping possession while possession sakes. It was one and two touch into the front men, getting it wide, putting the squeeze on. If they give the ball away, they'd hunt it back. Newcastle just couldn't breathe. But it was the quality of Arsenal that blew me away. I thought they were... I thought they... I thought they struggled about sort of six or seven weeks ago when they lost a couple of games and mm. confidence was a little bit low. Now you're seeing a team, I think, that scored 25 in six games and absolutely flying. Neither, neither a performance after Porto, didn't they, really? They were, they were, yeah, that was flat. It was, it was flat and, and Porto had all the tricks in the book to, to stop the flow of the game and, you know, he, some tactically made... I, I don't think he got the team right in terms of not playing the extra midfielder in Gigino and then Rice gets booked after a minute. So he's on his tippy toes, can't really make a challenge. And so that was a big response for that. But, it, you know, the, the other side is, is, even as Stevie said, hoofing it forward from Newcastle to get a breather. But it's not as if you're hoofing it forward and you've got a couple of big dumplings. You've got Saliba and Gabriel at the back who are manning the, manning the ship while everybody else is sort of pressing and organising themselves. And is there a better pairing at the moment in the league? Because Liverpool have had the problems in there. Matip's been out. There's young Cons has been in. You know, it's probably going to be Canati tomorrow alongside Van Dijk. And you look at Man City defensively. We've talked about it. They've, they've looked a bit shaky at times. Those two, and even with... And I suppose in some sense as well, Kivior coming in for Zinchenko, it, it's kind of stopped that, oh, let's go and sort of... Flaff about in the middle with the extra. He's, he's more of a natural fullback. So they've all of a sudden got White on one side and Kevier on the other, and they've got four guys. Yeah, they'll get forward, but guess what? They want to defend as well. And that's given them some stability at the back. We'll talk about this game in the context of the Premier League title race in a moment. Before we do so, let's take you through what happened at Bournemouth because Manchester City are in action today as well in the Premier League. They would get the victory, but maybe not in the same sort of manner. They would dominate like the first hour of this game and they would open the scoring here in the 24th minute. It's a nice run from Haaland and eventually Phil Foden's there to make it 1-0. Yeah, it's a good run and good strength from Haaland. Why gets did a shot off. the defender get wrong side there, Steve? Try to Aye, but Haaland's bumped him as well. He's made a good. He's got. He's made his run before the defender, and then he's bumped him. I'll tell you what, though, they're a good little side, Bournemouth. Oh, yeah, Bournemouth kept fighting, and here, Edison just makes the save well, enough to stop the ball crossing the line. So Manchester City get the win by one goal to nil. And if you take a look at what that means at the top of the Premier League, but Liverpool don't play this weekend because they're in action in the Carabao Cup final. So there's just two points that separate the top three sides. Everyone's played the same amount of games with 12 matches to go. We knew it was going to be close and it looks like it will go right down to the wire. What was interesting, Don, from the City game is that we've seen this quite a bit now, haven't we? Craig's talking about the fact that it's so impressive from Arsenal is that they're putting teams away, not giving them a chance. For City, they just leave the door open a crack. Yeah, I've done a lot of their games last season, Dan, in the running, and the amount of games they won 2-1 or 1-0, 
and they kept it tight. You're seeing the same sort of thing now. I mean, Semenyo had a chance, Solanke had a chance. They give Bournemouth a sniff of getting something out of the game the last 15, 20 minutes, and the home side pressed, but still they brought De Bruyne off the bench and they could have scored more. I mean, when you watch Phil Foden play, I mean, it will be criminal if he doesn't get 100 England caps. I mean, this kid is something special. You can tell he's been coached by Guardiola. You can tell the way he takes it on the back foot. He's the same as Cole Palmer. He's a lovely player to watch. I thought John Stones was man of the match today. I thought he was sensational. He's just, he just plays everywhere. He plays as an eight, but he operates sometimes in behind or down the sides of Haaland and on the other side where Silver is. It's just a very functional side at the moment. Look, if someone are beaten, because they're, they're a good side, but I think you're right in your analysis when you say, you know, they're just getting the job done. They are. But it doesn't matter with City. They do not mind winning 1-0 or 2-1 every single week. There's Does bigger it, games you, to come. Do you know what's worrying about City? This is a team that we have recognised about the way they pass the ball and keep the ball. Mm. In the last half hour of this game, albeit Bournemouth throwing everything at them, they couldn't keep the ball. They kept giving it away. In fact, they were overrun in the middle of the park. When would we ever say that? That's got to be, that's got to be a concern. And it was down to some decent defending because Bournemouth never cracked them wide open and missed open goals. But at the same time, if you can't stop the opposition getting at you, mm. if you can't stop Bournemouth getting at you, you've got a problem in the middle of the park defensively. We all, we all understand that Rodri can pass the ball for fun and, 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 and phone how great he is going forward. But you have to be able to defend in the middle of the park. And Man City completely disappeared in the last half hour of that game. You don't win the Premier League title if you're going to do that away from home. I think 1-0, you know, these tight games that they're winning, which is three points, obviously fine, great, the juggernaut continues, but if you're winning 1-0 or 2-1 and it's close and, and it's, you've missed a bunch of chances, but you've absolutely snuffed the other team out. You're not giving them... Yeah. You've maybe, uh. There's maybe been the odd ball over the top that they've hit in hope and somebody's ran onto somebody or somebody's made a... Uh, a silly mistake and they've had a chance. That's not the case. It's not the case. They're, they're actually, they're giving up a lot more chances this season and certainly than they were last when they were sort of mega successful. Uh, and it seems that, and I've said this before on, on, on here recently, it seems that they've got away from that aspect a little bit and it's almost like the lackadaisical when they're, when they're attacking with all this possession that there's a bit of switching off going on at the back. Uh, that being said... Who's the best team in the Premier League at the moment? I, I, well, I mean, ultimately City are the best team. Who's playing the best? Who's I think Arsenal are playing the best at the moment. Look, the most solid. But and yeah, is there any City, is there any reason to believe that they can't do that from now until the end of the season? That Arsenal can't continue this run. Well, the the, the, the doubters would just say, well, look at last year. But I, I think the last year was a big learning curve for them. Also, they were the only team that was in there with City. There was no there was no there was no other buffer. Mm. Uh, and Liverpool are in there. Well, Liverpool are top. But I think we'd all agree that City are still... I mean, City, whatever way you, you sort of put this together, for me anyway, whether we can sit here and debate who's stronger, Arsenal, Liverpool or whatever, until somebody puts their hand up and beats this City team yep. with all their big players back, then it's an open-ended book. Right. I mean, it really is. I, I, I like... I like Arsenal. I've liked Arsenal, but I like them at the moment even more because... We've talked about these small issues that City have that might cost them. 
But Liverpool seem to be on a bit of a negative roll with injuries. Mm. And, and I think if that continues, there's no way they're going to be able to hang in there. The only, the only problem Arsenal's got is they can win every game and still not win it. I mean, that's the truth. Well, they've got to play City still, haven't they? So that, that'll well, be yeah, key. Yeah, but we're, we're, talking, we're talking now, we're at the stage of the season where it's about winning games. You know, Bournemouth made City bend today, but they didn't break. Right. That's, that's the only thing that matters. They didn't break, and they've got to break. And if they don't, Arsenal don't win the league regardless. Don? Yeah, I think you're right. I think when you look at the fixtures from an Arsenal point of view, they'll go into every game confident because they're in a confident mindset at the minute. They're in that headspace where they think they can beat anyone, but they've got some hard fixtures in the running. Um, depends on how you see the stats. I mean, if you look at Man City's stats, they're close to two and a half goals a game, but there's a lack of clean sheets, so they give up a goal a game. So you can get at Man City. No one's ever... It's never been a secret how you try and get at Man City where you try and play on the counter-attack when they, you know, commit loads of bodies forward. But I think you're going to have this conversation every other week. And as Stevie said, I think just wait until someone cracks first. At the minute, they're all flying, they're all winning. Um, but someone, someone's going to drop points somewhere and then that's where you'll see the real metal. I think last year's Arsenal, I thought at one point last season, they got really emotional. I think they were a very emotional side, emotional manager. I think that's what cost them they look a little bit calmer, I think, this season. A disastrous day for Manchester United, losing at home against Fulham by two goals to one. Bassey would open the scoring for the visitors. Maguire late on would get the equaliser, which looked like it would be enough to get the draw. But a late goal from Iwobi would give Fulham all three points. Do you want a bit of a Ten Hag quote? Here we go. This is what the Manchester United manager had to say afterwards. The team showed big character to fight back. We deserved the equaliser and went for the win. We showed big personality and character. You have to see the bigger picture. The bigger picture looks very good. Yeah, well, I have no idea what picture he's looking at. It's absolute garbage, isn't it? Do you know that unmanned vessel that went to the moon this week? They landed the ship. You're obsessed put... with this moon land. I know. It's <laughs> been going on about it all day. Moon landing. <laughs> been going on about it all day. No. They, should, they, should have put, they should have put Ten Hag on it. Because he's in Moo Moo Land, this guy. Absolute Moo Moo Land. I've been saying for. I've been saying when. Uh, this was embarrassing again for Man United. There's no way. The, no, that's the way I would butter this up, right? Those stats. On uh, Monday, when we come in here to do the show, to talk about. Uh, the whole weekend. And Man United, of course, were a big focus. Their win against Luton the day before. And I sat here last week and said, you can't continue to get these results when you can't even dominate teams in the bottom half of the league, right? Now, the, the Lutons and the Sheffield Uniteds and the Burnleys, they're all sort of relegation uh, fodder. Fulham are not, but they would five losses in the last six away from home. And yet they go into United again. And it's, it's not always about... It's about performance. How can this Ten Hag coach side continue, and I mean continue, to be outplayed by a long shot by this Fulham side and all these other teams that I mentioned at home? It was embarrassing. I mean, Fulham... Marco Silva, as, as you know, has done a really good job there, right, on, on a limited budget. But they've got a plan. All these teams have got a plan. Mm. And... Quite frankly, by the time Bassey put them 1-0 up, that, it should have been already at least two or three, maybe four. Now, Man United did hit the post. Dallo hit the post, but it was from a long way. But there's no, there's no build-up to their play. It's a long ball to Rashford who played through the middle or it's a mistake from another team. They're getting out... And, and those stats are slightly different this week. Man, Man United had more possession. But guess when that came about? When Bassey scored, Fulham went and sat back and said, all right, try and beat us. 
I, I honestly think it's... I think when the new investors look at this and all these changes that they're making, they are not going to be... These are clever people. They're not going to be swayed by those results that they got. Right. They're going to have to be looking at what's the performance on the field. And not just today, but over a long period. And he cannot say, well, what we worked on the training ground, we did really well in that park today because for an hour in this game, they basically didn't get a kick. Don, why is he saying this? You know, it seems such a strange statement to say after such a disappointing result. I think he's just trying to say it because he might believe that he believes the West, uh, sorry, the Man United fans will listen to him and look at him being the Man United manager. So therefore, they think he's going to take or talk so, so much sense. But we've heard this for so many times. He talks about the character and he talks about the bigger picture. They were a shambles today. I was on commentary for the game today. And Craig's right. If Fulham had had a better final ball, they could have been two or three, four nil up. They were fantastic. They were missing Polina, who was suspended. They were missing Willian, who was easily their best player. There was no patterns of play from a Man United point of view. They were slow, they were pedestrian. The midfield was just completely non-existent. I felt for Kobe Mainu because Casemiro was nowhere near. Uh, Ericsson then came on for him. His legs have gone. They emptied the midfield on so many occasions. And I said in commentary today, the camera sort of panned on Ten Hag a little bit. And I sort of said, the, the 15 minutes that I was watching, I didn't sort of blame Ten Hag. I was looking at the players on the pitch and I was thinking of Casemiro at the time. And I'm thinking, won the lot. Why don't you just get Bruno Fernandes, who was playing as a number 10, who another one was a shambles alongside Marcus Rashford today, who offered nothing. Why don't you just show your leadership and you drag Bruno Fernandes a little bit deeper just for five minutes to get hold of the ball, try and create something, get some possession, inch your way up the pitch. But no, it's almost like everyone's just doing their own thing. If you've seen the clip that went viral last week of, Bruno, of uh, Marcus Rashford dancing around Ross Barkley, and Ross Barkley sort of just, just dribbling around him and he's not even tracking back, he's not even you know, running back to try and help him, that's gone viral. It was exactly the same today. Rashford give up a ball on the halfway line. There's 70,000 fans in that stadium and they watched him just put his hands on his hips, had a moan, walk back. Bruno Fernandes was doing the same. And it's like, you know, it's a shambles when you watch them. They've scored 36 and conceded 36. They're not getting any better. I don't know where to start, to be quite honest. I'm actually, I'm actually a little worried about the mental health of Ten Hag. Because if, if he for one second actually thinks that, Man United are in big trouble. Because that is complete and utter nonsense. There's not one thing that you could come out with today that was any good about Manchester United. Absolutely nothing. The back line, Harry Maguire doesn't get a game for anybody that's any good. The middle of the park, and Don said invisible. And we said it the other day when, when we found out Hoyland was injured. The first thing we all said was, where's the goals coming from? Mm. And, and <laughs> if ever, if ever the proof was in the pudding, it was watching this game. Because Marcus Rashford was invisible. Garnacho plays the game as exciting as he is on his own. He doesn't link up with anybody. He doesn't play little one-twos with anybody. Everything he does is on his own. And the young kid got flung in in his debut forcing. I mean, good luck playing with this lot. So there's absolutely nothing at all about this Man United team that you could be positive about. Never mind turning round 
and talking about the big picture. It was absolute garbage. There's many things they have to do, clearly. This new, in, it's not a new ownership, this new in, 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 investment through INEOS. And they've spoken very well, actually, in the last yeah. couple of weeks. They, it seems they've got some, some big plans for, uh, for you know, the stadium and the train ground and, the, and, and certainly behind the scenes, the, the structure about how they bring players in. But if we just look at the playing squad, uh, before we go... And Stevie's right about, you know, Harry Maguire and players like that. Honest as the day's long, but, I mean, come on. Yeah. And I tell you what, and I'll give Stevie his credit here, when Marcus Rashford said, had this blistering season last year, he said he won't do it again next year. And I thought the boy would turn the corner and say, do you know what, I want to I be this player every year. He'd be one of the first players... I mean, you've got your Antonys and all that, right? Mm. Complete waste of space. 100 million waste of space. Marcus Rashford would be one of the first players that I would be, if I was Sir Jim Ratcliffe, saying to whether it's Ten Hag or whoever it is, he's on the transfer list. Because his attitude, not today, not just... And he's had the odd goal recently. That reverberates around the team. And if we wondered at the time... And I'm not denigrating Casemiro here at all. What I'm, an amazing player this guy has been. But if we all sat here and, at the time when he made this transfer and we're all going, why the hell was he going to Man United? Because they gave him a five-year contract and he couldn't oh, no. believe Wait. it. Yeah. He was the, the Real Madrid players were going, get on a flight, get yourself over there. Because whatever happens, it doesn't really matter. You've won everything and they're going to absolutely fill your pension coffers right up to the top. And that's why, because he knew that he was limited and time was limited in terms of what he could do. And going in, and the only way you're going to cover that is by being in a good side. It's the only way you're going to be able to sort of cover it up. And what he's gone into is the complete opposite. So we're seeing all these uh, deficiencies now that he's having because of his age and his injuries and his, his lack of getting about the field. And all these things are just a problem. But, you know, Rashford's a problem... The manager has been a problem for a while and results have, for that terminology, papered over the cracks, uh, which they have, but they're not going to do it long term. Uh, meanwhile, there were three other games in the Premier League today that had significance regarding the relegation scrap. Big result for Palace as they beat Burnley by three goals to nil. Elsewhere, Aston Villa uh, beat Forest by four goals to two. And we saw as well Brighton draw 1-1 with Everton. Uh, you can see Burnley and Sheffield United, I think it was really alluded to for a long time now, uh, they are down. It's all going to be about uh, Luton, Everton, Forest and Brentford. Uh, meanwhile, rivals in red. It's going to be quite the summer in uh, the US. You've got Arsenal against United, Liverpool against, I think that says Arsenal, and United against Liverpool. Oh, what a great trifecta of games uh, that should be. Um, that'll be right in the late part of July, early August. Uh, Don will be back with us on Extra Time. Be sure to check that out over on our YouTube channel. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's been a big, tough week, hasn't it, for Bayern Munich. However, Harry Kane proved to be the difference as they beat Leipzig by two goals to one on Saturday. For more on this, here's Kaya Schacke. Thanks, Dan. So an important three points for Bayern Munich. An important goals for Harry Kane today. He needed those goals, didn't he, Shaka? Yeah, he did. He's had a couple of opportunities of late that just squandered very un-Harry Kane-esque. Um, but today, he had a couple. Um, Blasier came up with a couple of good saves to deny him. But once he found his range, two really good finishes, two telling finishes from Harry Kane. It's so hard to rattle him as well. You just hear Archie talking to him. He's just so focused on what's ahead. He, he is. And, and to his point... He's not really that bothered when he's missing chances. It's when he's not getting those chances. Not when he's getting those positions, and and that he is. And once Harry Kane continues getting in those positions, look, he is human. He's going to miss a couple of them, but more times than not, he's going to do exactly as he did today. The game just seems to slow down around him. He finds the finishing touch that not many in the game can. They're eight points behind Leverkusen. Still, no side at this stage of a season have ever won the championship after being eight points yeah. behind here but there's still more to play for there's still the Champions League can this game act as a reset for the rest of the season listen there's a lot to play for we were talking about a Leverkusen team that have gone undefeated so far this season now God forbid they lose one at some point during the course of this season how do you react these are things we don't yet know about Leverkusen so for Bayern all they can do is keep churning our games keep churning our results this was a big one today and hope that that pressure gets to Bayern Leverkusen. But at the same time, as much as to start every single season, Bayern Munich are favourites, they're often judged on how deep they go in the Champions League. They have a little bit of a deficit to make up against Lazio in the Champions League, not beyond them, but they will ultimately again be judged by how deep they go in the Champions League. So there's still a lot on offer to play for for them here. Despite all the noise and all the discussion about Bayern Munich, things can turn so quickly for them, but they have got to keep themselves 
in the discussion. They've got to keep themselves in the reckoning. Tuchel said his mindset doesn't change in the fact that, okay, we've heard him saying before that he's going to be mm. more ruthless in his decision-making when it comes to who he picks in his team. But in terms of what he's trying to achieve, he said that he's not going to change that. Do you think that will be the case for the rest of the season? Understandable from Thomas Tuchel that his remit remains the same, regardless of the fact that whether he's going to be there next season or not, that he's going to, to pick teams to win football games. He's going to pick teams in the best interest of Bayern Munich as a football club. That is not my, my concern. My concern is how does the dressing room react to the news that Thomas Tuchel will be managing next season? Who has the authority within that, within that dressing room? While Thomas Tuchel may say that he's being more ruthless and asking different things of his team, how are the personalities taking to that? How are the personalities taking the decisions that, that he makes? How do they respect what authority if he does still yield that, that authority, um, how, how he, he uses it to, to, to make those points that, that he may want to. It's less about Thomas Tuchel and more about the rest of the dressing room and their respect, or more to the point, lack of, lack of it for him. Yep, so I suppose time will tell when it comes to Bayern Munich right now. So not too much drama this week for once with Bayern Munich, Dan. Thank you very much. What about Shaka's sexy voice these days? Goodness me. Uh, by Leverkusen, then eight points clear at the top of the table. Let's get some reaction now uh, from the Bayern camp. Let's hear from Thomas Tuchel and Harry Kane. You've said that Thomas Tuchel was a big reason for you coming here. How is it for you knowing that he'll be leaving at the end of the season? Yeah, of course, you know, we, we have sadness because, you know, he's a, a top manager, a really good guy. You know, the club have made a decision to part ways in the summer and, and, and that's football. But uh, from, from a player's point of view, we owe a responsibility to the coach, to, to the team, to the, to the club, uh, to, to, to fight for every point that we have this season, you know. Um, and that's what we'll do. You know, we've got good, good characters, you know, uh, and that's, that's all we can do is just to keep working, keep pushing, try and, you know, build as many points as we can. Can. Big Champions League game in, the, in a couple of weeks. Uh, so, like I said, still a lot to play for. We see how infused with energy you are on the touchline. I just wonder, how's this week been for Thomas Tuchel, the person? Well, also for me, it's, it's clarity. Decision was made on Tuesday, very, very quickly, more or less. Um, I'm, 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 I demand from myself to be very professional, and uh, very quickly after this decision, I had a long drive in the car, and I thought to myself very quickly within minutes, okay, why would this change now? Anything for you? Why, why would you work more now, or why would you work less, or why would you? Why? There is no reason for it. And, and in the end, if you're, if that's my feeling, if you're very honest to yourself. Doesn't matter if you like it, if you don't like it, if it relieves you, if it makes you sad. It's not the question you have to deliver. This is top-level sports, and this is what I demand from myself. Now we have clarity. Gives me also a little bit of a freedom, because with every decision, if a player maybe gets mad, doesn't like it, I don't worry so much because <laughs> in summer it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> so, so from there we go. But in, in general, we have uh, the, our relationship to the players is not disrupted. Or, or anything was never, and and uh, um, do you think a, a guy like Alex Pavlovic is now relieved that I'm gone? I don't think so. I'm the guy who lets him play all the time, so uh, it's maybe not so important as we think. But we have clarity, and that's good. Thomas, we'll see you in Freiburg. Thank you very much. It made me Thomas to light up a cigar during that. It's yeah, yeah. loving life, isn't it? Although, does it oh. make sense? <sighs> no. I mean, 
Let's be honest, he's driving in there every morning knowing that there's a load of players in there that are glad he's leaving. Right. Uh, what kind he of doesn't care anymore. Yeah, but, but that's even worse than if he doesn't care. I mean, what kind of working environment is that? There's, there's no way you can be at your best in these circumstances. Right. There's no way. It's not, it's not possible, Dan. You might talk yourself into it and say that, 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 oh, I'm not stressed anymore, and if I make a bad decision, it doesn't matter. No, he's kidding. He's, I don't know who he's kidding. It's interesting if he'd have made the decisions that he made today, if that decision on him or the amicable, however they came about it, his leaving the club, because he dropped... Uh, he dropped Kim, the South Korean, who's been and is one of the best defenders in Europe. Now, is he playing as well as when he was at Napoli? No, he's not. He's not. But he's still, you know, when he, when you're, your back pairing is two you're players. More Eric Dyer. Is Eric Dyer, who was I don't know how far down the list at Tottenham, and Matthias Delit, who clearly is not uh, the apple of uh, Thomas Tuchel's eye anyway. It kind of tells you where he is at the moment, but they managed to, you know, keep uh, RB Leipzig down to one goal. But it could have been a lot worse. And Kane, after missing the chances, bailed him out at the end. But it is a weird, it, it's a weird relationship now. And listen, this relationship, it could have, it, with all this talk about, is it, going in the summer. If they'd lost today, that could have changed. Yes. If they lose to Lazio on the second leg at home, or they don't advance, it could change again. So. At the moment, we're talking about him going in the summer, but it could well be before then. A lucky Gareth Southgate was in the crowd to see what Harry Kane could do. Oh, that was fortunate. <laughs> well, I'm thinking I'm a, I'm a bit more worried that he's actually watching Eric Dyer. <laughs> exactly, aye. Took his goal as well. Is it a surprise? You know, the fact that we're picking on Harry Kane because he missed a couple of chances tells you that we're just we're not used to it. We're used to him being just sparkling constantly. So. Yeah, Harry Kane's going to score lots more between now and the end of the season. Whether Tommy Tuchel or anybody else is in charge of Bayern Munich. Uh, just a reminder then, the Bundesliga action continues tomorrow. We've got a doubleheader for you live on ESPN Plus as we have every single game from the Bundesliga live for you. Or three games for you, in fact. Eintracht Frankfurt against Wolfsburg, Borussia Dortmund against Hoffenheim and the late one sees Augsburg play host to Freiburg. Plenty of reaction. You're on digital today, weren't you, Stevie? Breaking oh, yeah. down Manchester United yeah. in more detail. Uh, be sure to check that out over on our ESPN FC YouTube channel. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Atletico Madrid will definitely see it as two points dropped as they could only manage a 2-2 draw away against bottom of the table at Almeria. A couple of great goals we saw from Romero and in the end it finishes 2-2 which means a win for Athletic Bilbao this weekend would close the gap to Atletico Madrid. They would both sit on 52 points in that scrap for a place in the Champions League next season. For more on this game, let's welcome in uh, Luis Garcia. Simeone be very disappointed, won't he, Luis? Start, uh, we mentioned about this Atletico Madrid and the need to get the three points to try to continue making bigger the gap between them and the Athletic Club. Athletic Club in a fantastic role. And you couldn't see that on the field. A little bit of complacency in the first 45. In the second half, with a, a, a couple of the of changes with Llorente coming in, maybe the first intensity was there. But after that, we didn't see it anymore. Just in transition, because we saw a little bit more desire and determination from Almeria to try to get the equalizer, even try to win the game. But from the athletic side, it was a little bit more, as always, a little bit plain, predictable, not much to see up front with a few chances. And, and the lack of the end product. Morata with a couple of chances, Memphis Depay once again in the first half and also in the second half. So uh, it's a pity that we didn't see actually Almeria to get the three points because definitely I think they deserve with uh, Rodanovic, new player at the back, with Luca Romero on the, mm -hmm. on the right side, also with uh, Jonathan Vieira. He's, he gave uh, to, to, to the coach a little bit more uh, arguments and options to, to try to get the win. But today, once again, three in a row, another draw. But at least you could see that they have more decided to get the win. If they'd played like that, Almeria, most of the season, they wouldn't be no. where they are. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a bit late now. I mean, they were so competitive in this game. But that's two poor games for Atleti in a row. This, this game obviously wasn't the strongest team. He's made a, a lot of changes, quite a few changes. But there were still good players that came in. And they're players that he might have to go to between now and the end of the season to either finish in the top four to... To, to win the Copa del Rey or, or indeed advance in the Champions League. And when you look at these players, Simeone's thinking to himself, my God, I hope I don't get any more injuries. Yeah. Because he won't be able to rely on them, and it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, and maybe in a sense they thought it was going to be, once they went 1-0 up, what was it, a minute and 10 seconds? They probably, maybe I thought, well, this is going to be an absolute cakewalk. It's going to be easy. It wasn't, and now they have this huge game second leg Copa del Rey in midweek against Athletic Club who are playing great this has also left more of a door open for the same team to catch them in the league for the top four so there's an awful lot still to play for and when you look at those chances yeah. missed particularly the Maratta one Stevie mentioned at the end there I mean come on you've just got it once the defenders make such a mess of it and it, it's dropping to you. You've just got to compose yourself. Uh, as you say, it's just like a, a number of, <coughs> of errors from the Almeria side that give Morata this chance. Once it sits up here, Stevie, you expected a goal. Yeah, I mean, you wonder whether him be... <sighs> I just find it hard to, to figure out what he's, what's going through his head. You know, he has plenty of time. He could, let, he could, he could let that drop. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it is he's got too much time, but... If he's got so much time, let the ball drop. Right. He's taking it way too early when he doesn't need to, and there's really no excuse. Not, not a, maybe a 20-year-old with, with no experience, you could understand that they're, they're in a hurry to, to strike it, but not a guy who has experience to try and put that in. No. And not no. a guy who's having the season he's having. Yeah, he's, yeah. You know, in exactly. general, along with Griezmann, he's been, he has been very good. He's, he's, his goals this year have been... 
away up in normal. But a lot of them have been like good quality balls into the box that he's getting on the end of, whereas this one he just had to like slow down a little bit and he didn't. And this, this two points drop could well come back to haunt them at the end of the season. It was one of Barcelona's best performances of the season as they thrashed Getafe by four goals to nil at Montjuic. Jao Felix on the score sheet and he caught up with Sid after the game. How much of a difference do you think it made tonight that, that Getafe played with a really high line? It felt like you were judging the timing of the runs really well, finding it really quite easy to, to get in behind them. Yeah, for us, I think it's, it's easier to, to play against the teams that press us high. Um, otherwise, if they put every man behind the ball, uh, it becomes difficult for us to, to go to the goal. Um, and when they play man by man, I think it's easier for us because we have a lot of quality, everyone. Uh, but we did a great match uh, and it becomes easier in the, in the second half because we did a great job. With this result, Barcelona move into second place, only five points behind Real Madrid. Am I taking a step too far if I suggest that maybe there's still a title race to be had? Until the end of the season, we will fight for, for the title. Uh, nothing is lost. Uh, we are improving. We are playing better, match, match by match. Um, just keep believing and keep working. And does this have an impact on the on the Champions League as well? Does this have kind of a, an emotional boost for the team? Sure, we we came out from from Naples with a draw, uh, and we think I think and we think that we should come with the with the victory. But it's football, and now of course we are confident for for the next for the next match. So as Sid mentioned, five points now the difference between Real Madrid and Barcelona. Madrid obviously in action on Sunday as they take on Sevilla. That win for Barca for the moment lifts them up to second in the table. Uh, Luis, I think it's fair to say, isn't it, this is one of Barcelona's best performances we've seen in the season? Yeah, one of the best 90 minutes that we've seen. We've seen uh, minutes from Barcelona in some different games. I remember the first 45 minutes of uh, uh, Barcelona against Real Madrid uh, mm. uh, on the El Clásico, they were fantastic, but for 45 minutes and then they, they dropped in the second half. Finally, we saw a complete performance of Barcelona. They were solid at the back, finally a clean sheet. There has been a while without uh, no scoring a goal. We've seen a fantastic partnership between Araujo and Cubarsi, and we saw even Christensen going forward. We, we mentioned him about that on, on constructive uh, uh, duties is not the best one, he's more there to give balance. But overall, we see a very good performance. Uh, four goals. Uh, we, we saw uh, chances even to, to score maybe a few, a few more. But in the end, overall, I think a very good 90 minutes. Some people will say, or some they will say that is it was more about Getafe uh, not, not being there, not being testing the Barcelona. But I think that Barcelona adapted better. The plan that they had against the, this high line of Getafe was better. And, well, the results were there. Fantastic three points to get closer to Real Madrid and put a little bit of pressure. When Andreas Christensen got a move to Barcelona, he probably couldn't quite believe it, I would imagine, not being a regular at Chelsea mm -hmm. all the time. I bet, he, I bet he's shaking himself now and pinching himself, thinking, I'm playing in the middle of the park <laughs> for Barcelona. But that, that, that's, kind of what, that's kind of what they need at the moment. That's kind of where they are. And also that the others have not been able to do it well enough. Oriol Romeo has come in as a natural midfielder, a stopgap, but here we have a centre-half playing in there. He played in there, uh, he's played a, a, more than a couple of games, but he played in there away in Naples. Mm. Uh, he'll probably play in the home leg in there. He's, he's done a good job today. So 
It might be that's the role he's going to have to play between now and the end of the season, but it's, it's kind of where Bassa are, just trying to figure things out, how to get a result and how to get at least some solidity in front of that back four. Uh, Luis, what happens if they win the league? What happens to Chavi? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I'm just laughing because Craig is totally true. I, I, I am trying to think what Christensen must be thinking about. I'm the new Xavi or Pep Guardiola, the new Busquets. <laughs> so it must be crazy, yeah, the, the feeling of trying to, to be in the shoes of, of those players. But, yeah, we don't know. To be honest, uh, Xavi mentioned last week, last weekend, saying, listen, the players have uh, a, a little bit of... Uh, they have released a little bit of that pressure they have. They look more comfortable. They, they put together and they look more confident. So... Since I said that I'm going to leave, the team is playing better. So maybe that was the intention of Xavi from the very beginning. And maybe he's trying to trick us and at the end of the season, he's going to say, hey, listen, I'm not leaving. I'm staying for another more year. So I would love to see at least a little bit more of excitement on this league yeah. until the end of the season. I want to see Barcelona challenging Real Madrid once again. I would love to see dropping points um, Real Madrid tomorrow and see that competition once again between the two giants in La Liga but in the end we are talking a lot and tomorrow Real Madrid probably they will get the, the job done and win against Sevilla and eight points will be uh, again right there and we'll be talking about Barcelona and uh, trying to focus on, on Champions League but uh, well we'll see what happened uh, today was a very good victory for Chelsea. Is that, not, is that not what Joe Felix said to said? Did he yeah. not say that it's lost? No I think no, no he said we're going to keep fighting till the end yeah. Oh, I thought. <laughs> I, 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 sorry, I didn't listen. All right, all right, see, basically. All right, all right, I didn't listen. Luis, right. thank you very much. Just a reminder then that Real Madrid Sevilla game is live tomorrow on ESPN Plus. Our coverage starts at two thirty Eastern. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Big game for us tomorrow. We're live at Wembley. Chelsea taking on Liverpool. Our coverage starts at 9 a.m. Eastern for the Carabao Cup final. Be sure to join us. It'll be the same night. You'll be up early tomorrow, Stevie. Omelets. Big omelets. Oh, omelet. Cheese omelets. Yeah, omelet breakfast. this morning. Hopefully he'll be up early. <laughs> uh, stay tuned. Don's back. Extra time is next. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. What were you whispering to Craig? Can you mention that? 46 league games in the, in the uh, championship. championship. Yeah, it's always been that way. I know, but it's horrendous. What an absolute nightmare. Oh, dear. Oh, I was looking at the table when, that, when we finished the yeah. show. We put the table up. I mean, two teams sort of stick out. Sunderland, who was six when they sacked Tony Mowbray. Yes. Or they were close to that. I think Birmingham were... Birmingham might have been six. They were six when they yeah. got when John Eustace got the John Eustace got the ten sack for uh, for Wayne Rooney. Yes. And now you were saying it's probably gone up to them. Yeah, most definitely. And rele as relegation potential. 
Uh, Don Hart, Don Hog, Don Hog is here. Don Hutchinson is here. <laughs> was Ten Hag channeling Craig in the positivity corner with that claptrap he was spouting after the game? There's no yeah. way he keeps the job at the season's end, right? It's difficult to uh, Is he a dead man walking, Don? I think he is. He's on trial. I mean, unless he has some end to the season. If you're Dave Brelsford, they talk about the marginal gains. If you're Ineos and you, you want to see a performance and you want to see or have something to cling on to, they would have watched that today thinking, that's not Man United. That's not what we've signed up for. Waffle after the game. Just talk rubbish after the game. You're trying to convince the world that get that game there that you saw in your eyes wasn't the end of the world. The character's good. The growth is good. It's rubbish. They were terrible. Yeah, they were. Generally, this new group, they don't even need to watch the games now. All they need to do is sit in a room and they need to get little, they need to get little audio little audio clips. What are they doing in the room, Stevie? Well, it's all computerised now, isn't it? Well, what are they typing? Well, that's not how you're typing in all the information. What information are they typing? Just all the stats and everything else. Well, I see. You ever seen him do that in a computer? No, no. He does this. It's one finger. <laughs> but honestly, we can't log into that. We should. Uh, no wonder he can't. Pre-season would be. No wonder he can't do his compliance training. He can't even get into the damn thing. <laughs> all they need to do is play an audio clip of almost every game where they've had a bad result or it's been tight, and and then just look at the results and look at what he said and go, do you know what? Because from the very first game this season, do you remember Wolves at home uh, yeah, when that? Yeah, the penalty. The penalty that wasn't given for Wolves, and he came out, and maybe, maybe you could have cut him some slack and said it was the first game of the season and he was just trying to make the players feel better. Yeah. But it's been almost every week when you sit and go, right, when we come on this show uh, after a Man United game, win, lose, or draw, somebody, somebody will always say, get me a Ten Hag quote. Because there's always been something. Yeah. yeah. It's just... Yesterday he was championing Ars and Anthony, wasn't he, in his press conference, and then he plays him on in the 98th minute. Plays a kid in his debut. How highly do you rate Ollie Watkins, Don? And should he stay at Villa or take the offers when they come in this summer? Stay at Villa. I rate him highly. Uh, I think after Harry Kane, I think he's the informed striker from an England point of view. I think you definitely take him to the World Cup. Um, if I was Ollie Watkins, I wouldn't I wouldn't be leaving Aston Villa to hurry because I think he loves it there, he scores goals there. I think Unai Emery's got the best out of him where he has him now the width of the 18-yard box. I think when you saw Ollie Watkins play before Unai Emery took over, he was quite unselfish. He was running the channels, he was coming short, halfway line, doing a lot of work outside the 18-yard box. Now he's got a manager that tells him, get in the 18-yard box, we'll get you chances. Where's Ollie Watkins going to go? That's better than where he is. Right. So Arsenal, of course, we talked about them maybe needing a striker. Is that the answer? Well, I don't know if he sees it that way. I tell you, if I'm being honest with you, whether we agree or not, I think he sees what a lot of them do now. If they don't have a Haaland, is that and Liverpool are doing it and have done is with Firmino and they did it with Jota and Gakpo. Sometimes it's Nunes, Mo Salah even. I think what they have is a more filler. Like this is a more traditional number nine that, that'll score goals or run the channels he'll head it he'll fight he's not the best link up player but he's not he's not bad uh, but where's he going to go that needs a striker that's better if it's not one of those top three which I don't think it's going to be Tottenham but is that better than where he is sure. you know Chelsea would be a better you'd think more glamorous but it's not a better team so I, I, I just don't know where Ollie Watkins is going to go that's better than what he's got at the moment at Villa what do you think, Steve? You agree? 
100%. Craig and Stevie, if Chelsea win the Carabao Cup this Sunday, does that give them any sort of boost uh, throughout the season? Is it the same thing for Liverpool for winning the Premier League? Well, if you don't get a boost from beating Villa, being competitive at Man City, yeah. and then if you were to beat Liverpool at Wembley after being scalded by them at Anfield, although Chelsea's fortunes have slightly got better since then, and not Liverpool's fortunes haven't got worse on the field, but they've got worse with injuries. So it's not going to be a stronger Liverpool side, but but it, would, it has to give them something. Yeah, it, it's certainly more interesting this final than maybe it would be a month ago, well, given Chelsea's run going into it. After Liverpool completely wiped the floor with them, yeah. if we had known that this was going to be the final as soon as that whistle went, I mean... No-brainer. It was an absolute no-brainer. But the fact is that for two good performances, doesn't that just tell you where they were or where they are? Yeah. We're actually saying how great two good performances are. But they have been good. They have, you know, that's... Well, see, here's the thing. It actually might do them a favour that they're playing Liverpool because right. they were up against it, both against Villa and against City. They're playing against teams that want to go forward. And so the fact that they can sit and use the pace of Jackson and Sterling and have some space and some gaps to run into... I think that's the key. It's not going to be nil-nil, is it? I can't like see it. I can't see it. Question for Don. Is this Newcastle's poorest performance or Arsenal just that good? Uh, both. <laughs> I thought Arsenal were that good, but, yeah, Newcastle were a shambles today. That, that, that's not at the Newcastle side of their heady out that I've watched over the last couple of years. They were awful at the back. I've, I've always thought with Trippier, I think with Cher, uh, Botman, um, Livermento played there today, but normally Dan Byrne. It's a pretty strong uh, Newcastle team. They're very solid. They never look like last season or the start of this season, giving away goals from set plays. You know, that tells you how bad Newcastle are when they're losing goals from set plays because they're absolute giants back there. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think Trippier set the dominoes falling, hasn't he? Not in a bad way. Not, not, not meaningly, but yeah. here we had... Well, I suppose you might look and say maybe it was... Nick Pope getting this long-term injury, but I don't think that's an excuse. You look at the four guys that played across the back, and one by one, starting by Trippier, they started to make mistakes that they just hadn't been making. And I think that's just swept all the way across, and then the confidence is just gone. Yeah. You can imagine that place. And Newcastle was probably along with a few clubs, one of the dressing rooms you wanted to go into. Yeah, exactly. What do you think after the PSG result? You, you know, want to go in, the, the, the lads would be cracking yeah. the jokes, the banter, and everybody want to go out and train, and everyone was buzzing. You can imagine going in there now, and it's as flat as a pancake, sure. because, I mean, they lost four at home to Luton, they're just losing goals for fun, and, my God, they were bad today. Stevie, who's your favourite player in this current Liverpool side? Ooh. Where'd you look it's at me there? Because <laughs> I like me. Ooh. Right, I'm waiting. Oh, that's for a tough one. Who's got your, who's your poster you know at home? I, do. I yeah, love yeah. Who's the poster who's at home? Who's the poster at home? And Bobby. <laughs> yeah. So to me, I love the way Luis Diaz plays the game. Right. He's old fashioned, he's old school, he goes at people. So I'm going to go with Luis Diaz. I, I love to see players going at defenders. Yeah. You know, one on one. I mean, far too many times. In today's game, somebody gets one-on-one -on -one with a fullback. You're up by the by the penalty box, and they turn round and they pass the ball backwards. That drives me insane. 
insane. When Mo Salah runs at defenders and trips over the ball, you go bananas. There is a difference between standing on it first, <coughs> hitting your right knee onto your left knee and then losing it. That's a little different. Uh, Craig, has your opinion of Havertz, is it more favourable now than it was in the summer? My, 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 honestly, my, my personal opinion on Havertz has not changed. I think long term, if, if Ateta and the big games continue to try and play him in the middle of the park, it's just not going to work. M maybe they'll beat Burnley and, and, and the teams that are poor and weak, but not in the big games. And I, and I think if Havertz, if there's a position in the front three that needs filled, and Jesus has been injured but he hasn't been brilliant, and Nketi has come in and, and been out, Martinelli was out of form for a bit. If there's any of those positions you need filled, I don't have a... Me 70 million is a lot of money to have somebody to fill positions now and again. But they've paid the money for him, so they need to use him. If he's filling one of those positions, I don't have a major problem, because he's further forward, he's kind of out of the way, and it's a wee bit more natural for him. This thing that Arteta had in his mind, that he was going to come in and play as a three, it hasn't worked, because the manager himself has made those changes for the big game. So he got himself a goal today. It was a simple tap-in. He should have had a second uh, at the beginning of the second half for him that would have made it three. I'm not... I don't think anybody's ultra-convinced by him, but he's... For me, he's much more of an asset in the final third than he is in the middle third. Don? I think Craig's nailed it. I think he's... He's not a midfield player. He's not good at tracking back, but he's, when he's forward, he's good in the air. I think the last couple of games, I think, it's given him confidence, but he's definitely suited to playing up front and then a three in midfield. Craig, do you give Chelsea a chance of winning the League Cup given Liverpool's injuries? Yeah, I do. And, I, you know, I think Stevie touched on it. I mean, three or four weeks ago, you're sitting here and thinking it was, a, it was an 80-20, 70-30 call at best. You know, sit in, get a bit of luck. Uh, Liverpool have an off day. I think it's more 60-40 now because of the injuries and because Chelsea have won a couple of games. So I think we have a contest. Yeah. If if the Chelsea side that played at Villa Park and the Etihad turn up, where they were super organised, they had a, you know, I know Stevie talked about the back four with DCC and Caldwell and not playing players like Caldwell out of position. If he does that, which why wouldn't he? And he's got that threat up front, we, we could have a game on. We could have a game, which watching us in the States, we'll be here 9 a.m. Eastern for an hour-long preview ahead of us. Save this Chelsea and Liverpool stuff. We have an hour tomorrow. I know, it's exciting, isn't we it? We could just run a re just we could play a rerun of this. Oh, there we go. Could do that. Final question. We'll come on. Ten. What's the percentage chance? Now focus. The top six in the Premier League finishes the season exactly as it stands today. Liverpool, City, Arsenal, Villa, Spurs, Manchester United. What well, well, all left teams stay in the same position. Exactly. My days. No. no. One. No. One. One. One percent. Uh, no, a bit higher than that. Ten. Ten percent. <coughs> yeah. There we are. Perfect. I think that's. Well, every one of those finishing the same position. There you are. Ten percent. I love that bit with you. Well, uh, Don, you're going to owe me fifty dollars, aren't you? Got Arsenal top four. That'd be nice. Oh. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, have to try and get another one going. Hold on. Is he the second person in two years? Yes. Yeah. Him and him. Yeah, because Don didn't think Arsenal were going to do it again. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> What's that? I don't know. What's that? <laughs> you remember the bet I've got with you. Kieran uh, said that 
Uh, Arsenal would win the league if Gundogan go if left City. Right, that's right. I think that's it. I think that's uh, Oh, God, Steve, you can't lose another bet. <laughs> Uh, that is it. That brings us to the end of today's show. Just a reminder, uh, we will be back tomorrow to analyse the Carabao Cup final plus Real Madrid in action against Sevilla.